Today, since we finished the book of Hebrews last Sunday, praise the Lord, uh, we're starting a mini-series, just the last uh, parts of December, on the purpose of his coming, why Jesus came. And uh, we have a great, great time, we're going to have a great time teaching this series on a few books from John, 1 John, Timothy. It's replete. The Bible is replete of why Jesus came, and it always boils down to one thing. He came to save those who are lost. He came to save sinners. He came to die. He came to be a king. All those things are part of his coming, and we can't divorce it from his coming. We can't divorce the death and resurrection and his kingship from his coming. And so today, for the, fa uh, for the first three weeks, including today, we're going to be focused on his coming, why he came. And I have a great pleasure uh, to introduce my dear friend, my brother, Save. He's here to teach us on the first part of why he came from 1 John. So please help me introduce a man who needs no introduction. Save! You almost need no introduction. <laughs> I needed to say it. Amen, it's amen. Such a blessing to have you, brother. Thank you. you. Thank you. Do you need me to uh, keep that on? You want me to take it off? You're good? Okay. Well, good morning. Good morning. Praise the Lord. So good to be back with you. And uh, drove up from San Diego and all that rain, and so I was late. But thank the Lord I made it here. First John chapter 3, thank you for being faithful to the Lord. You know, the Lord keeps good records, doesn't he? And, uh, and not that we are trying to impress him. Uh, we are loved, unconditionally loved uh, by him. <clears throat> and I think one of the greatest joys and goals as a child of God is to learn and ask him to give us that reality that we are, as his children, unconditionally loved wherever we are. I, I, I heard someone say recently, you know, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you staying the way you are. God loves you just the way you are. And that one statement, we need to wrestle ourselves to that truth and ask the Lord to sink that deep into our heart because when we realize we are loved, we bloom in an environment of love because we were created to love and be loved. Um, we, we blossom like a beautiful flower in a nutritious soil. And so for, for you to, 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 to make that a goal, a personal goal as a child of God, Lord, help me. Remove from me all the baggage of my soul and pain and suffering or whatever it might be that keeps me from seeing how much you love me. Every parent here understands that when a child communicates, whether verbally or non-verbally, when they're doubting whether mom or dad loves them, that hurts you as a parent. Amen? I think a, a parent's greatest desire, one of the greatest desire, is that your children know, that they would know, that they're very much loved by the Lord, uh, by you. And uh, I, I love this topic, why Jesus came. <laughs> I want to reverse it a little bit, just this is the way of, I'm, I'm just talking now, but I think I, we can help each other. What if Jesus did not come? But I don't want to dwell there too much because uh, that's, a, that's a bottomless pit, amen? But he did come. And we need to embrace everything about why he came. 
Praise the Lord. So I'm so glad you're here. Uh, you're here. Others may not be here, but you're here. I'm sure some are watching online. I'm glad to be here. It's good to be here. I, when, when Pastor asked me uh, some weeks back, a couple of weeks back, I think it was, <clears throat> I, I told him, I thanked him for, I felt honored to come, and I, st- I, I mean that. But I also mentioned to him, and I think I, every so often I mentioned to him, Devore Church came into my life uh, at a time when I needed a safe place to land. In perhaps one of my, my, my deepest uh, difficult time, to put it mildly, uh, God led me here. I still remember that one. I still remember that Wednesday night slipping in. The church already started. Pastor was up here, slipped into the back row there and sitting down. It wasn't long into the message when the word of God that he was expounding just poured into my soul, and I sat there and I said, "Lord, thank you." Thank you for an oasis in the desert of my life. And I drank. God is so good, isn't he? And uh, he looked down from heaven. If you allow me to put it this way, we know he's all-knowing. But he looked down from heaven and he saw our need. And he said, I must go. I need to rescue this creation of mine that I love so much. And so thank you for the love that you, you showed me while I, here and, uh, while I was here and, uh, and the love you still show me. I feel welcome every time I come in through those doors. Uh, would you pray with me? Yes. Let us pray. <clears throat> holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou art? visitest him. Oh, Father, thank you. Father, we rejoice this morning. Today is the day. This is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Forgive us when we allow other things to cloud our view of you to distract us from the glory and the greatness of who you are and what you did and what you are doing. But for this moment, we want to pause and lift our hearts and our voices to you in praise for you're worthy. Your servant stood on that day and said, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you know the hearts that are bowed down before you, Father, right now. And I pray that each heart will say, as for me, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Lord, you know my heart, I'm overwhelmed at your grace and mercy to be here. And and I thank you. I pray, Father. I don't have the words to say to help your children, but you do. And so the best I know how, I yield myself to you and I thank you for what you'll do. Some have come in this morning, some are listening. Father, today they, they, need, they need your comfort. And thank you that you, you desire to comfort those children of yours. That burden is heavy. 
Perhaps their heart's broken. Thank you that you are the God of all comfort. Thank you that you tear aside all of the frills and decorations we like to decor our life with that make us look like we're okay, but you go right into the depth of our heart and the core of our being and draw us to yourself from that depth. No matter how ugly it is, you love us at our worst. And you took all of our sin on the cross on yourself. How can we thank you enough? Thank you for the filling of your Holy Spirit. And thank you for your church. Thank you for your servant. Thank you for his family. Thank you for the families that are here. Thank you for your people. Thank you for building your church and allowing us to gather, knowing we need this. We need church. And we're so happy to be in church this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty and powerful and also precious name. Amen. First John 3, 8. First John 3, 8. <clears throat> he that committeth sin is of the devil. First John 3, 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil. Our focus is going to be uh, the latter part, the end of this verse. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. And here it is. For this purpose, for this reason, for this goal, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. The Son of God, the word there manifest means the Son of God was made visible or made known. In fact, in the Greek, it means to make visible or known what has been hidden or unknown before. I love it. You know, the Bible is a revelation of God, a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here we zoom into, 1 John zooms into by the Spirit of God, a particular reason, a particular purpose. And that is to destroy the works of the devil. For this purpose... The Son of God was manifested. Another definition of the word manifest there was, is declare. <laughs> and since he came and before he came, men and women of God have been declaring about him. <laughs> that he is coming. And when he arrived and they said, he is here. <laughs> and then when he left and he said, he has come. And we are also declaring he is coming again. And the world has their narrative, but we have ours mandated by the almighty God himself. And all the world will be wrong and God will be right. And we constantly wrestle ourselves to this because the world voices can be loud. And can be overwhelming and can be intimidating. But that's why he has given us this and has given us his spirit. Literally, he has given us himself. I was speaking at the uh, Christmas gathering at my son's uh, church last night, and we were looking at first, uh, Second Thessalonians 3.15, I think the verse. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen. The Lord is that spirit. The verse is, the Lord is that spirit. And if you think about it, the, 
That little phrase reveals the deity of the Spirit of God. One of the places in the Bible. The Lord is that Spirit. Hallelujah. And we have the Spirit of God. God himself dwells. What a thought. (laughs) That I, puny little me, can walk with the Almighty God. Every single day of my life. Oh, the adventure of getting to know him. For he was, he came, he, he came, he did come. For this purpose. It was not purposeless, amen? He was not aimless. He wasn't like a, there was nothing to do in heaven, so he kind of, you know, <laughs> took a stroll down to earth. No, no, no. This was, this was deliberate. This was on purpose. This was intentional. He had a goal in mind. And we know he came to rescue us because we, we needed rescuing. And even as we've been adopted into his family as his saved children, we need rescuing still in our daily walk. Isn't that true? Hallelujah. Salvation, yes, we're born again in a moment, but then we need his rescuing every single day. And that's why Luke 9.23 says, take up your cross daily. I need the Lord every day. I can't rely on that I was really spiritual yesterday. <laughs> it's the principle of the manna. They needed to get up every day and collect that manna every single day. If it was some of us, we would organize that thing different, amen? <laughs> Give us a week's supply, <laughs> a month's supply. Why get up every morning? That was a the principle there, Amen. It's a walk with God. For this purpose, the Lord was focused in his ministry. He was focused ever since he left heaven. He never wandered. He never strayed from the mission, if you allow me to put it that way. He was deliberate in his words. He was deliberate in his works. And a lot of things he did, we we don't understand. We understand some of it. So, Lord, why did you choose Judas when you knew he was a child of the devil? I've thought about that much. I don't have all the answers, but one of the things that has scared me that I've come to some conclusion about it, that it's possible to be so close to the Lord on the outside from what people see and yet not know him at all. That is scary. And I think I can back it up with scripture in Matthew 7, 21. The Lord tells us that scary truth that there'll be many in that day that will say, Lord, we prophesied. You mean they stood behind the pulpit? You mean they opened a Bible and spoke to a crowd or spoke to a group of people or went out on the streets? Judas did that. Blows my mind because the power was not in Judas. It was in the Lord who gave him the power to do what he needed to do. I personally believe, and I could be wrong, he healed. Because otherwise, when he came to the upper room, and when the Lord said, one of you will betray me, the disciples would have looked at each other and go, I knew it. That's why he hasn't been able to heal anybody. Amen? He kind of stood out like a sore thumb. No, Judas didn't, 
and Matthew 7, 21 people, they don't stand out like a sore thumb. They blend in very well. Oh, my heart cries to know maybe some people I know that I love, that I've called brothers and sisters in Christ, but they don't know the Lord. I can't handle that. And it's something I can't do for them. They'll have to search it out with God himself, amen? But the Lord has come. And, and the Lord was and is focused. Isaiah 50, verse number 7, tells us, in, I believe, prophetic of this truth, a verse that has come so dear to me as the Lord has allowed me to cling to that verse in my own life. Isaiah 50, verse 7 says, For the Lord God will help me. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I need that help. Therefore shall I not be confounded, meaning humiliated. Therefore, and here, here comes the phrase I'm looking for. Therefore have I set my face like a flint. In one of my darkest times of my Christian walk, I felt like I couldn't do anything. I couldn't do anymore. And I, I, I just needed to go hide away and in self-pity, marinate in my misery. And the Lord says, no, no, you, I, you need to get up. And you need to set your face like a flint. <laughs> the Lord knew I can't do that, but by your power I will. For the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded, therefore shall I not be humiliated. Therefore have I set my face like a flint. And that's what our Lord did. He was purposeful in going to that cross. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross knowing he could have this, that he would have this, the adoption of the people he loved that would come to him by faith. For the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. Hallelujah. For this, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, to make visible or known what has been hidden or unknown, to declare, to make apparent is another definition of that word manifest. That he might destroy. Did you know you cannot destroy the works of the devil? You can't. I don't care how much Bible you know. Without the power of God in your life, without the Spirit of God empowering that earthen vessel, you cannot overcome the work of the devil in your own life. Hallelujah. Our deceitful hearts will tell us without us consciously realizing that we're being told by our deceitful heart. I got this. <laughs> I've been a Christian a while. I'm a preacher. I know a lot of verses. I know principles. I went to such and such conference. I, I, you know, all kinds of stuff. Not necessarily bad, but anything that takes away from me leaning heavily on the Lord Jesus, it's a distraction from the source of my power. 
My power is not in my position. My power is not in my person. My power is not in my gifts or in my talents or in my connections or in my church. Those things have their places. But my power as a child of God rests solely and independently upon the Son of God himself. There's a scary version of Christianity going about the land that has no idea who Christ is. They do everything else and know everything else but Christ. It is no wonder that the salt is no longer salty and the light is no longer lit. It is hindered under the bush of everything else so-called Christian. But the Lord Jesus didn't leave heaven to come down to earth and suffer so horribly for us to just play around with the peripheries of Christianity. He wanted us to know him. For in him and him alone is power and grace and kindness and meekness and everything that your marriage needs and everything that my life needs and everything that your children need and my grandchildren need. For multiple generations, it is all complete in Christ. Hallelujah. You stand back and as I was reading our text, (coughs) excuse me, The presentation here in that last phrase that we are looking at as our text speaks of two beings. I'll just put it in a simple fashion because I'm trying to make a point. It says that the, the first being is the Son of God, that he came into the scene that he might destroy the works of, and here's the second being, the devil. So here's the son of God, and here's the devil. And that text tells us he came to destroy his works. And we know that not only does he destroy his works, he also will destroy him. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) I like that, amen? Someone told me they they saw a t-shirt some time ago. It says, when the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of your future. (laughs) And there's like flames. (laughs) Where's brother? He's not here. Oh, hey, brother, you do t-shirts? Good to see you. Amen. Not saying anything. I'm just rambling up here. But these two beings, the Lord and... And, and we're here, we're being told this. And the obvious question in this scenario that I'm setting up is, what does their relationship have to do with me? <laughs> well, we don't have to look too far to realize the reason why he has come, our Lord, to destroy his works and destroy him is because he is after me. And he, our Lord, intervenes. John 8, 44. Ye, 
the Lord Jesus was saying to these religious but unregenerate people. Ye are of your father, the devil. There it is. If anyone knew about the devil, the Lord did. <laughs> if you want to know about the devil, <laughs> ask the Lord. Look at what the Lord says about him. Amen? Don't go asking everybody else. They could be hit and miss, but, but the Lord is always a hit. You have your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father, you will do. He was a murderer. In the Greek, the, the word that's used is a manslayer. I saw, don't you understand something? You know, when the, when the devil looks at you, he has only one purpose in mind, kill you. Destroy you. Because you are created in the, you are made in the image of God. And because he hates God and everything else that reminds him of God, he hates. <laughs> and, then, then, and then you go do this thing called receive Jesus Christ as your savior. And he just got mad. Especially because you left his family and went to the Lord's family. And he's like, oh. <laughs> Amen. The Bible tells us in Lamentations that, he, that the Lord's mercies is brand new every morning. You and I take for granted the protective hand of God in our lives. With the devil roaming around there and all his minions who have a mission to destroy all of God's children. The only reason why we're being sustained is because God has his protective hand over us. And there are some times, as in the book of Job, one of the lessons we learn from the book of Job is that there are some times, for God's purpose only, God will lift some of that protection and let, the, and let Satan in and let his minions come in. But not to destroy us. Even as he tells the world how his work in Job's life is magnificent and glorious, he's also working in Job to fashion in him a strength that cannot be given unless... Job goes through heartbreaking, traumatic, and even tragic circumstance. God never wastes any of your pain. One of my favorite verses I've been meditating in lately is John 10, 28. And, they, and he gives unto them eternal life. And they're in, I, I'm paraphrasing now. And I give unto them eternal life. I'm missing a phrase in there. But the last part says, and they shall never perish. And, oh, and, and no man shall pluck them out of my hand. So you're safe there. And verse 29 says, my father who is greater than all, no man shall be able to pluck them out of my father's hand. So let me tell you, child of God, if you don't, don't hear anything else to, this morning, maybe the Lord has stuff for you, but, but, but get this, nothing. If you're saved, nothing, nothing. Absolutely nothing, big or small, nothing touches you, comes to you without it passing through the fingers of Almighty God first. That should give us a lot of rest. Take that and meditate on that for this month or whenever, but, but, but ask the Lord, bring that to such a in-my-face truth that whenever things happen and I'm wondering what happens because our natural response and reactions to stuff that is painful and hurting and slander and heartbreak and shame and grief and sorrow and loss is always our heart blames God, accuses God. 
But if we get this truth and, and realize it came through his fingers first, he allowed it, then we know it's for a reason. God's not like, whoops, didn't see that. No, no such thing. Hallelujah. But, but the devil hates you. We're, we're sustained by the mercy of God, the protective hand of God. He can't touch you. That neighbor of yours that says bad things about you, that came through God's fingers first. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, truth is in the details. We think life just happens. No, there's an almighty God that has his hand protected over his children, and he allows things. It looks like life is just happening. Yes, and life is happening. But the point is how you respond to life circumstances. We stumble over pebbles, not mountains, someone said. All we need is one text, one phone call, one conversation on a Sunday morning, and your whole day could be ruined. But if you learn that you are safe and secure in the hollow of his hand, as our Bible teaches, then you know he came for a reason and purpose to strengthen me to realize, you know what? The power of God in my life is perfect for an imperfect world. Yes. Devil's out to slay you. He's a man slayer, kid slayer, woman slayer, everybody slayer, amen? But you and I are sustained and held up by the mercy and the powerful hand of Almighty God. We don't acknowledge a lot how God is in our life, working, protecting, guiding, loving, blessing. Don't you feel like that sometimes with your children? You may not verbalize it, or you may. <laughs> they just take stuff for granted. Wait till you grow up. You'll find out. When you pay your own bills, you'll find out. And sure enough, it happens. Why? Because you went through it, went through it too. Because once you were a kid, <laughs> you took it for granted too. Till you became an adult. I'm like, what? What's an electric bill? John 8, 34. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father he w- ye will do. He was a murderer. He was a manslayer. He was a destroyer from the beginning. And abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and a father of it. He, he, the Lord is here and, and the devil. It doesn't take long to at first understand that uh, sin also destroys us. Right? <laughs> Sometimes we blame the devil. He says, no, hey, devil had nothing to do with it. You yielded to sin. <laughs> We're drawn away of our own lust, the Bible says in James chapter 1. The wages of the payment of sin is death. Anytime I entertain sin in my life, whether it be arrogance, pride, anger, lust, stubbornness, gossip, slander, you name it, something dies.
Because the wages of sin is death. When sin is allowed to stay in a relationship, things die. When sin is allowed to stay in your life, things die. You don't have to look too far to find a lot of miserable Christians. And not because they're going through some trial and tribulation. It is because they've allowed sin. And you know one of the first things that dies in a Christian's life? Joy. Yeah. Joy just flies out the window like pew. Followed really quickly by peace. Why? Sin has entered. Joy dies. Sin dies. I bring up the topic of sin because there are two different things. Uh, the devil that Jesus came to destroy and, and sin that destroys and kills us. And of course, the Lord came to destroy both. Amen? <laughs> he took my sins and my sorrows and he made them his very own. Amen? But focusing on our text because of what the devil does, that he's after us. He, he, and when I say the devil, I mean him and his minions, right? Someone said, we're not as important for Satan personally to be after us. And I, I'll have to say that's pretty, I think that's true. <laughs> but I want to I show you how, the, because of the protective hand of God and, and how much his hand is upon you without you really acknowledging it and, and, and you take it for granted. Because he, here's the thing. You know, when crimes happen, sometimes they, they call it uh, premeditated right? Then others is, is they, they look at the evidence, they say this was a crime of passion. The idea of a manslayer and a murderer and a destroyer, you know, the Satan, he wants to destroy you with a, in a crime and a crime of passion. He has no truth in him. It's all lies and darkness and just evil. You may have seen what I've seen. Sometimes they put a a guy who got caught for, um, what do you call that person who murders a lot of people? Serial killers. Thank you. And there's something about their eyes when you see it, and it's just like it's dark, unfeeling, like hollow, numb. That's a little peek into the darkness of the heart of the devil himself. If allowed to have his own way, he would not hesitate. Did you see how in the life of Job, he didn't wait. He was like, boom, 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 boom. Amen? He was given an inch and he took 100 miles. But the point of that story and the point I'm trying to make right here is that uh, God, God's hand. You're safe, brothers. Safe. Your children are safe. Oh, but they've just been diagnosed of, I know, I know. Can't delve into this truth too much, but that's, that's your cross. The pain, the hurt, the suffering, the sorrow, the regret, the loss, loss of finances, loss of relationships, loss of reputation, the loss of friendships. That's the detail of the cross you need to carry daily. What do I do with that? He came that we might learn. He took his cross that we might learn how to carry our cross. Because if we don't carry our cross, he tells us three times in the book of Luke 14, verse 26, 27, and 33. Three times he says, if you don't carry 
carry your cross is one of them. Forsaking all that you have is another. You cannot, cannot be his disciple. You can have discipleship programs and you can call yourself a disciple and everybody can think you're a disciple. But if you don't do these things that Jesus says, he says, it's impossible. You cannot be my disciple. Oh, you might be saved. Amen. And the details of that cross, he came so that not only we would have eternal life, but that we would be a manifestation of his power and his glory in this life. That it would stun the world around us. That imperfect beings can have such peace and joy and passion and power and a sincerity and authenticness and a a genuineness about you, especially if they knew you before. I was at the rental car at the San Diego airport yesterday and the flight was delayed. It was in Frontier, sister. <laughs> so the car I had reserved was gone. I had to pay a higher. Okay, Lord, it's your money. <laughs> Some time ago, a, a little deal I did with God. Lord, be my financial coordinator because I can't handle this stuff. <laughs> so there I was, like putting into practice what I committed. Long time I was like, all right, I guess you wanted to spend some of our money. <laughs> So I was telling the guy, and he was like, sorry, all we have is this, and you got to pay this. I'm like, okay, we're good. After a while, he looked at me. He goes, what do you do? And I said, I'm a truck driver, but I also work in a church. He goes, that's why. It's like, what? I, I had to hesitate a little bit telling this story, but I felt like the Lord gave me Click on to do it because I want to illustrate. Because that's why you have such a good attitude because I had to change it on you. And I was able to witness and give him a track. Brothers and sisters, the, the world out there, we say, you know, nobody wants to hear about the Lord. If you live as a Christian, you open the doors to people that are hungry and are blind and are seeking a shepherd, a shepherd you and I know intimately. And if we would know Jesus and let him fill, fill, not part-time, fill our lives, you'll be able to speak to souls around you that are hurting, that are broken, and you will be abnormal. Hallelujah. They're not used to kindness. They're not used to people saying thank you. They're not used to people being smiling. They're not used to people being gentle. They're not used to people being saying, it's, it's okay. A phrase that, that the Lord's helped me use many times when I'm on the phone and they get delayed and I said, uh, it's okay, take your time, I'm not in a hurry. You know, I've heard so many feedbacks from them and they say, oh, thank you. Because I've been on the other end of that stuff, right? You understand, you understand this. And this little things, this is just a little thing. I'm not trying to puff myself, I'm trying to tell you, the Lord works. If we let him work, he came so that we might be different, that we might be saved, saved from our sin and saved from the penalty of sin, but saved from the power of sin right here, right now. That would be a Merry Christmas, isn't it? If we could embrace everything that Jesus came to bring me, 
on that first Christmas. It's nice to gather together. It's nice to have all the food. I love eating, as you can tell. It's nice to sing the songs, and they have their place. But brothers and sisters in Christ, I implore you, delve into the core purpose of why he came and how he can change and transform your life. Because you're special to God. Did you know that? He did not mass produce us. You are custom made, fearfully and wonderfully made. You've heard other voices. I want you to hear the voice of God. He made you you. You have your own DNA. You have your own thumbprint. There's nobody else like you. And you have a purpose. And we need to shed all the perspectives and philosophies and things that have hurt us in the past or things that cloud our perspective and embrace the truth of who God is and how he sees us. And let him use, Lord, I'm, just, I'm an earthen vessel, 2 Corinthians 4. He goes, yeah, but you have the light of the glorious gospel of Christ in you. Hallelujah. And there are times he needs to break that earthen vessel so the light inside can then shine through. The more broken you are, the more light those around you see. Hallelujah. Let him do it. Don't run from the pain. Embrace the pain. Lord, this hurts. I got no other place to go. So I'm bringing it right back to you. Would you help me carry this pain? Amen. We don't run from God. We run to him. Our hero, I say that respectfully, our warrior Jesus. He's the captain of the Lord's host. He's the captain of my salvation. He's the captain of your salvation. Here is this evil one come out to destroy me. And he intervened. Hallelujah. He said, not today, not today. I will go to that cross and rescue my people. That's how God. John chapter 8, verse number 29. See how driven he is, how purposeful he is, how intentional he is. He makes this statement that none of us can make. John 8, 29, and he that sent me, Jesus speaking, is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. Oh, he knew the Father was right with him all the way through. Amen? Of course, we can talk about the cross where he got forsaken. Ooh, that's a whole message. Amen? All of us in carrying our cross, no matter how painful it is, God the Father never forsakes us. There's only one I know of that God forsaken in his, that God forsaken in his, his deepest trial. That's our Lord himself. I, I can't handle that. Parents, one of your children is in a dire need and you're right there and you're able to help and you turn around and you walk away. That's what happened. You have no idea how much you're loved. And the Lord said, the father hath not left me alone. And here it is. For I do, look at his next word, always those things that please him. I am on course. I'm on mission. I'm on target. I am on purpose. When the fullness of time was come, Galatians says. Okay, hallelujah. 
joy to the world. The Lord is come. We know the depth of that song. They don't. But it will go over our heads if we don't let the Christ of Christmas actually saturate our hearts. I'm almost done. Thank you for your patience. There was a cost when the Lord intervened on my behalf. It wasn't cost free. I have told the Lord many times, Lord, you're the almighty God. You could have just worked it out in a way that didn't cost you. He's a God of truth. So when the Bible tells us how Jesus suffered, he suffered. He felt it. You know, in the back of my mind as a young Christian, sometimes I felt like, oh yeah, because he's God, he can handle it. You know, meaning he used some of his divine power to try and ease the pain. Then he wouldn't be a just God. He wouldn't be a God of truth. And when that hit me one day, I was like, what? You mean you, you felt everything? Okay, I get it. Okay, we're on. I can follow a leader like that. I can. All right, Lord, wherever you lead, I will follow. Even when it's hard, I'll carry my cross. And and he doesn't leave us. He doesn't say, you know, come on, hurry up. (laughs) He comes and helps us, amen. He's so kind. Ah, fall in love with Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. It was a cost. John 10. Verse 15. As the Father knoweth me, even so I so even so know I the Father. And and I I lay down. I lay down my life. For the sheep. Look at verse 18. No man, not the Roman Empire, not the Pharisees, not Judas, no man, not the soldiers, not the centurions, no man, no man taketh it from me. But I, I laid down of myself. I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. When he intervened on your behalf, my behalf, it cost him. So when your Christianity starts costing, look to the Lord on how to embrace it for the strength. And Lord, there's two ways. I'm going to say this in with them. There's two ways you can carry a burden. The first way, or there's two ways you can, uh, I should say, there's two ways you can bring resolution to a burden that you have. The first one is the one we most commonly ask for. Lord, remove this burden. The second way is he increases your shoulder to bear the burden. Huh? Those of you that go to the gym, you know, you get in there and you're like 10 pounds and it's like, oof, 
is rough, you know, like, I can only do nine. But if you're consistent, you're faithful, right? After a while, it's like, man, it's nothing now. What happened? Did the 10 pounds change in its weight? No, you got stronger. Hallelujah. When you allow the Lord to strengthen you through your suffering, pain, sorrow, and heartache, and heartbreak, the stuff that bothered you a lot before, you'd be amazed at how it doesn't bother you anymore. And it wasn't you. It's him. Because he's with you. Why Jesus came, the purpose of his coming, that he might give you life and life more abundantly. And we can have it. Today we can. Our Father, we praise you. We raise our hearts and voices with the angels of heaven and tell you, you are worthy. Worthy is the lamb that was slain, born to die on Mount Calvary, the songwriter said. Ah, the world has its own version of what Christmas is. And it's a wonderful time we get to visit relatives as I am able to this season. What a blessing. But oh, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here and others who are listening. They will steal away in all the din and noise of the season. They'll steal away to a time with you just to tell you how much they love you and want you to continue the work in them. Bring repentance to those convict hearts that need it. (coughs) May the lost be saved. May the saved be strengthened. May the afflicted be comforted. And may we all bring glory to the only one that is worthy. May you alone receive the glory. We ask these things in the precious name of our Savior, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.